politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, and property as if it were 1776 all over again. Here at CR Podcast, this is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Monday, March 27th. A date like most dates towards the end of March that we commemorate three years ago. A terrible day, in this case, the worst piece of legislation in American history, not just signed by President Trump, but promoted by him, where he bashed the few people who opposed it, including Thomas Massey, $2 trillion, underwrote, undergirded a lockdown, martial law, the rise of the Fourth Reich, remdesivir, the clot shots, the denial of treatment and the Great Reset, and the inflation, and everything thereof that we are dealing with to this day. That, by the way, both it's both the fact that the culture was on decline at the moment that it could have allowed for that, but it also induced, in my view, a cultural decline that is unfathomable. And I want to get to two polls, one in the U.S. and one in Great Britain, that kind of exemplifies this. But really what this demonstrates is Unlike in 1776, the rot is not external. It's internal. It's among our own people. And and I think we need to come to terms with the fact it's not just, oh, those are the Democrats. You can only have so many fake Republicans. And yes, Donald J. Trump is another fake Republican that screwed us at every front on the issues that mattered, in the way they mattered, and most importantly, at the time they mattered. On this issue and many other issues, by the way, and we'll be going through that if we have to relitigate this last four years, I don't care. But the fact that so many of our people are fine with it, it demonstrates the rock gut, and it also demonstrates that I guess it just hasn't gotten bad enough. We're not at our Judges Chapter 6 moment in the book of judges that was when the midianites took over israel and they controlled them to the point where they couldn't even get a hold of a hammer they had nothing it had to get that bed and then they cried out to god and he sent them gideon and they waged war and and and, you know threw off the yoke of of the enemy We're clearly not at that point. Clearly there's enough levity, enough free time, enough stupidity that people like focusing on the show, the soap opera. That's why all my colleagues don't give a darn about, yeah, half a million people died, millions more injured, they plan more. That's not even an issue. By the way, I briefed a major Senate staffer today, and he was very interested. And what what was clear to me is that even the top conservative staff they don't. They never heard of V-Safe. They maybe heard of theirs, but don't really know much about it. I'm talking about the bare basics from two years ago. Yeah, you know, I've kind of seen some people dropping dead. I've seen some of the videos. Like, wait, what? It's not the videos. It's <clears throat> two years worth of data and learned experience. But this is the problem. We don't have a focused movement. We don't have a movement that believes in anything. And I guess the reason is it hasn't gotten bad enough. And that's really what scares me. What is going to have to happen to spawn a sort of return to God, a revival? I don't know. 
I don't know. But you have to realize it's bad enough, and I don't think people do. And that's how Donald Trump is able to run as if his tenure never happened, his personnel and policies never happened, as if the vaccine never happened. Well, it did happen. It saved 100 million people, he says. I don't get it. I don't get it. But he praises Charlie Crist at the rally he had. Charlie Crist was great. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway, his rally was in Waco, but we're going to have our own event in Fredericksburg, Texas, at the Patriot Academy's new campus. Um, This is the best five-day handgun defense training program in America. $2,000 package for $500. If you want to meet me, meet other members of the audience, we'll sit and strategize together, pray together, and shoot together. Practice clearing malfunctions, drawing from the holster, five-point draw, trigger, control, sight alignment, picture alignment, how to be a better marksman, better awareness of your surroundings. If you want to join me on April 23rd for the five-day course, go to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Those of you who are retired, no excuse. I want to see you there. Um, <clears throat> if you can't take off or you, you, you got kids, you could bring your kids, by the way, if they're older than 12. Um, and if you want to wait till school is over, there are other courses they're going to have. You could check their schedule there. Again, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Uh, I, I won't necessarily be at those courses, but I will be at the April 23rd course. So go to defense at patriotacademy.com to email if you have any questions. And if you don't, just sign up because spots are limited today at patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. So everyone's talking about this poll the Wall Street Journal reported on that is scary as anything. It is um, commissioned by the Wall Street Journal. 1,019 adults conducted between March 1st and 13th. And they tracked percentage of people who say certain important American values are, are important to them. Are, are they important to you or not? And they have data from 1998, from 2019, and from 2023. Now, 2019 is important because that was the year before the Great Reset. And what's so painful about this poll is that it reveals, I think, what we knew deep down, that we were always on a decline. We've been on on a decline. Even Reagan talked about it in his farewell address that people don't know what it's like to be an American. And and my gosh, we would die to go back to 1989, January 1989. Um, But he felt already then we were losing it. But then it just plummeted in 2023. I want to go through some of this. Religion. How important is religion to you? Okay, how important is religion to you? 62% 62% said it's important in 1998. And then that dropped to 48 in 2019. But it went from 48 to 39 in just four years in 2023. That's what's scary, the rate of drop. Just 39% say that religion is important in their lives. Just 39%. I want you to think about that. And even among Republicans, it was just 
3%, just, just about half. Again, I think that answers a lot of what we're seeing in primaries, what we're seeing a lack of focus, a lack of care. 39% overall. Let's go to patriotism. In 1998, 70% felt it. Went down to 61 in 2019. Not a lot. And then plummeted to 38% in 2023. Now, to be fair, some of that might be people like you and me that we've just had it with our country because of everything they've done to us. But for most people, that's not really what it means. The next one, having children. So again, that was a broad decline, broad decline. 59% felt it was important in 1998, dropped to 43 in 2019, but then dropped 30 to 30, just, just you know, 13 points in just three years in 2023. 30% believe it's important to have children. Among Republicans, 38%. So in other words, this is actually, again, Republicans are more than everyone else, but this one in particular. So patriotism, there's a big gap. Religion, there's somewhere in the middle, you know, pretty big, big gap, but not that much. But having children, not that much. 38% of Republicans said it's important. 26% of Democrats. But then when it came to the value of how important is money to you, 1998, it was 31 few years ago, before the Great Reset, it was 41. Now it's 43. So it went up, the opposite. And Republicans and Democrats are actually tied. Now, maybe that's a little bit of a loaded question. <clears throat> but the upshot of this poll that is so shocking, that is sh so shocking, is that the average Republican today is less patriotic less religious, and less pro-family than the average Democrat was 25 years ago. That, my friends, is why we are where we are. And I guess it just hasn't gotten bad enough. Because, again, and I know Steve alluded to this, if you, you watch his show, if you don't, you should uh, subscribe to The Blaze, and you know you don't even need to subscribe for everything but his overtime segment. But both of us have kind of been down on this. You you can only go for so long with a fake conservative movement and a fake Republican Party if those voters want to go along with it. And that's the painful reality. And we're going to find out in a few months throughout this year, do they care about substance and outcomes? Or is it just the show? They just love the show. Facts don't matter. Outcomes don't matter. Values don't matter. That's what we're finding. We're really a minority within a minority in our own country. So that's the first data point I wanted to share with you. And then I wanted to move over to the UK. And I know the UK is worse but the point, I think, is true here. We talked about before this poll that only 27% of people in the UK believe that lockdowns were a mistake. 54% think they weren't a mistake. So almost two to one. That's pretty scary. Two to one think 
it was not a mistake. Okay, and, and more people actually think they should have done more than those who think they should have done less. So that in itself is very, very scary. Very, very scary. But there's a broader point I, I, I want to I wanna bring out here from Naked Emperor. It's a substack. I don't know who he is. I guess he's a... Um, know his name here i'm just trying to look for it but it's an excellent Substack. naked emperor he looks appears to live in the uk has a lot of good stuff on covid and he has a very important insight i think to the time we live in and i want to transpose from there to some of the news of the day the presidential election covid things like that first our sponsor today i will tell you it is quite clear there is no effort to go after the biomedical security state because again it's all just here for the politics, for the soap opera. So you know what? You better prepare on your own. Take your own life in your own hands. Um, they did it before. They'll do it again. They'll block life-saving treatment. If you go to Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, medical.com, you could find a Jace case. What's in a Jace case? It's five life-saving antibiotics from doxycycline to amoxicillin, azithromycin. There's been so many shortages lately, and it's only going to get worse where you'll go to the pharmacy and they just don't have it. So this way you'll have access to treatment right away. Um, and by going to jacemedical.com, you fill out a prescription or a request for a prescription. They'll ask you a little bit about your medical history so they know there's no contraindication, allergies, and boom. Uh, you put in review, promo code review at, at the checkout for special discount, and then you will empower yourself and your loved ones should a crisis emerge or, well, well, we're already in one, but get worse, you will be prepared with jacemedical.com. So anyway, this guy, Naked Emperor, he notes that there was a team um, of academics that examined why people supported various COVID-19 measures. And the, the lead author, Dr. Colin Fode, he said, surprisingly, we found that people judge the severity of the COVID-19 threat based on the fact that the government imposed a lockdown. In other words, they thought it must be bad if the government's taking such drastic measures. We also found that the more they judged the risk in this way, the more they supported the lockdowns. And we talked about this throughout the last couple of years, but I thought it was beautifully presented here. His title here is Lockdowns Made People Support Lockdowns. Seeing is believing. This is the thing. The, pr the problem we live in is that the Western governments are so evil and corrupt, there's nothing they're not willing to do. People don't want to believe it. So if, if they're doing it, it must be right. I mean, I, I see it. Everyone's wearing a mask. It can't be negative, effective, and damaging. Everyone's getting these shots. I mean, it can't be. You go outside. Things seem to work. The sky's blue. The trees are there. The grass is there. Everyone's doing something. It can't be wrong. That's the brilliance of what, of what the bad guys do. I've said this for years. We think that you need to gradually build support for something. There are times where that's true. But generally speaking, they don't debate. They don't convince. They don't make the case for their argument. They just do. And whether it's legal or not, whether they have constitutional authority, they go and do it. 
they, it, it's like a hostage taken. Well, now, well, now what are you going to do? Now everything is negotiated and debated based on the new baseline that they illegitimately created, but nonetheless, they created it. What are you going to do about it? So that's what they do. People devoid of critical thinking, they believe the government has their best interests in mind. So the more they do evil, the more they get away with evil, because if it's that profound, I mean, my gosh, you're, you're disrupting our lives, covering our mouths, injecting us, shutting down schools. Look, it's got to work. There's no way you could do something that impactful. See, if it's not so impactful, you could debate, yeah, maybe it's a stupid policy. But if it's going to destroy our lives, um, suppose, you know, it's going to kill people. Well, it, there's got to be a good reason for it. You're not just going to do it to do it, right? And that's the beauty of the left. This is what you need to realize. They, they, they don't ask for permission. They just do. They start arresting people in mass after January 6th. They start shutting down people in March 2020. They just give $100 billion to Ukraine before you could bat an eyelash. You can't even catch your breath. But they make it. This is the policy. It's got to be legitimate. It's an unbelievable thing. He says here, people are unwilling to let go of their belief that every decision made during the pandemic was purely to protect lives. And I don't think the majority will ever be woken from this trance. They have seen politicians partying while they were locked down. They have read the leaked WhatsApp messages showing politicians laughed at their demise. And they have seen the damage lockdowns have caused, but still they think that lockdowns were beneficial. Even at the time in this study, people were conflicted as a survey revealed that they thought side effects of lockdowns in a cost-benefit analysis were, were unacceptable, but they still supported them. The authors warned of a symbiotic relationship forming between public opinion and government policy that could affect how future policies are implemented. So, for example, global warming. You're not going to destroy every product, ban plastic bags, ban straws, upend our lives if there's no legitimacy to it, right? There's got to be legitimacy to it. And that's the beauty of it. They just do and this is the dichotomy between Trump and DeSantis. Trump talks and talks and talks. So it's the opposite. He, he telegraphs his punches, so then the left mobilizes against it. No, we don't want to do that. That's horrible. We're not going to do it. And then when it comes time to do it, he doesn't do it. In fact, when it comes time to do things, he does their policies when they create a clamor that this must be done. We saw that with COVID. Whereas DeSantis, he just does and does and does rapid fire. That's the biggest lesson we need to take out. Trump is at his best when he's campaigning. He gets up there in front of a stadium and says everything the base wants to hear. He's at his worst when governing. And I want to get into some of that. Some of these differences. But first, this is really important. You don't, you don't just hang it out, out there. You have an agenda, and you do it. The problem is our side doesn't have an agenda. They tweet, they talk, they think tank, they CPAC, but they don't do. 
the left does, and that's why the results show, and that's why people's attitudes, including those of Republicans, are changing so rapidly. They change with the times. They're all homosexual because they're taught about that. Everyone's cutting their balls off because they they telegraph this is this is what we're going to do, and they do it. I guess that's the new thing, and it's worn everyone down. We need a counterculture to do exactly this. No, this is how we're going to live. This is what we're going to do. These are our policies, and you just implement them. Like I always said, there is nothing more transformational than saying everyone has to walk around like a mummy covering their breathing holes. That's, that's insane. There's quite literally never anything in the history of the world that was that directly impactful to the lives of human beings, r- really perpetually, for two years. They didn't build the case. They had a clamor moment, a panic moment, some imagery, some stuff, and then they did it. Everyone started doing it. Oh, I guess I gotta, I gotta, this is what we gotta do. They didn't build the case for it. In fact, Fauci literally said just days before they did that, that it's stupid. They come, they see, they conquer, they do. So lockdowns made people support lockdowns. Masks made people support masks. The COVID shots made them support the shots. And that will be true of everything. Of everything. But the lesson is, you need people with the smarts and the, and the courage to stand up against these cathartic changes that they try to induce. Because what they do is they use a panic moment. Oh my gosh, look at the Russians marching through Ukraine. They're just going to march through Europe. This is like, you know, Hitler with Czechoslovakia and Poland. Oh my gosh, look at the knee on George Floyd's neck. There is this this policing problem, and blacks are being persecuted. We need to change everything we do with crime. Oh my gosh, look at those people on ventilators in Lombardi. Lombardi. Oh my gosh, January 6th, look at them. They played those same kind of very narrow videos. See, if you're dumb on policy and you're narcissistic, right, so you... Everything is about you and you don't know policy. Well, when you're presented with that clamor moment, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not smart enough to, to talk my way through the issue and push back. And I care about myself and my own survival, not what's right. So why am I I'm not going to punch through those heavy, heavy you know, headwinds that you're up against? And that's why we saw Trump just dropped on all those issues. He'll literally say ahead of time, I'll never do this. It was funny. One of the things Trump said at his Waco rally was that I'm going to cut off all funding to those that um, shut down schools. Dude, if you remember throughout 2020, we were yelping and yelping, Trump, please, please, don't give more funding because they had several bailout bills for... Uh, businesses and then the state and local governments and the schools. And I beg, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. At least if you're going to pass another bill, condition the funding to shut down, to, to, to ending lockdowns and masks. Uh, we did a number of shows on this. And yet, 
Trump signed into office on December 21st, 2020. So this we're talking about nine months into this when the data was clear. Everyone knew lockdowns were horrible. He passed the he signed the omnibus bill. Again, it had more Democrat support than Republican support. It was one of the most horrible bills. We're, we're commemorating today the March 27th original $2 trillion bill. This bill had so many deadly provisions in it. Biomedical security, tyranny, COVID fascism, Pfizer. Um, but it had in it $80 billion to the education system for things like Zoom classes. It, it gave them $80 billion to the schools in additional funding. Not only would Congress hand money to schools without conditioning it on fully reopening, but the bill spent another $10 billion on child care. Because what was the point? To presuppose that children are not going to be in school and they had to pay for child care. It, so it's not just, again, it's not just that he panicked in... March 2020 and went through with the lockdown bill, he passed another, not just lockdown, but even the school stuff, $80 billion to undergird school shutdowns December 2020. I mean, am I supposed to forget all of this? This is the problem. He's running as if he didn't exist as president during the most pivotal time in history. And again, these are all things that I'm not saying, oh, he didn't like give us the moon and whatever and abolish the Department of Education. You know, I'm not talking about things that are very hard to do. I'm talking about that he actively made it worse, actively bullied conservative members to support horrible legislation. The woken weaponization, the COVID fascism, the inflation, the biggest issues of our time... It is all because of what he did. Let's talk about immigration. Immigration. He's out there now like he ups the ante. He has to up the ante from 2016. Oh, I'm going to have like a basically an op- Operation Wetback type of thing from Eisenhower's era where we just we just mass deportation. But I have news for you. The deportations were a fraction of what they were under Ob- Obama. And the border surge was horrible. I'll let you in on a secret here. Even I'll use some of the data like, oh, you know, Biden administration is the, the 500% increase since since uh, he took office. But it's a little bit of a mirage because it was only COVID, ironically, the one good thing from it, that shut down the flow because of COVID. We had this 2018-2019 surge. It went on and on and on and on, 20 months worth. And we begged and begged. At the time, I wrote 100 columns on it, did different shows, different legal advice, do this, do that. Nothing. Ironically, the only good thing that came out from immigration, his only good appointee was, was um, Ken Cuccinelli, who supported Cruz and is now supporting DeSantis. And Trump's out there. I won't so I won't allow anyone in my administration who's working for DeSantis. Ironically, he actually but he will allow people working for Nikki Haley like he did last time. He had Jeb Bush and Rubio staffers that would block Cruz people, but some there were a few that were in and the few that were in were really good. 
And so the few good things he did, it was not because of his his ilk. It was despite them. It was because of people he opposed. But the point is, if not for COVID, the levels likely would have been somewhere close to where they were under Biden. It was horrible. It's Orwellian. He says A, and then not only doesn't he do it, but the opposite happens. We had the worst inflation, the worst spending, the worst growth of woke and weaponized government, the worst tyranny under his watch, the worst border surge until that created a new baseline where it grew off of that and got even worse. See, that's the thing. A lot of people think Republicans versus Democrats. Republicans are like a slower version of what the Democrats want. It's not really true. It's a symbiotic relationship. Each one ups the ante because Republicans continue the policies that creates a new baseline and then the Democrat grows it. And then the next Republican president grows that. It goes on and on. We've been doing this for a long time. Trump was supposed to stop that. Am I supposed to just look at his campaign rhetoric as if the man was never president? But this is the thing people need to realize. That um, Trump is almost like one big Ray Epps. Really. I'm not saying he's a plant. I'm, he's not. I'm just saying, if you were, what better would you do to completely excite, distract, dope up, dull the senses of your the base of your opposition to loving a guy who will A, activate your base like never before and create a pretext for you guys to accomplish amazing things with the power you have, but then with his own power, he does the opposite. Again, I challenge you. Look at Obama, how much is enduring from his presidency. First and foremost, Obamacare. From Trump's presidency, what transformational policy endures to this day? Think immigration, think crime, think spending, think growth of government, think health care. I mean, maybe you could say the tax cuts, but, you know, whoop-de-doo. I mean, really? That's the best we can do? I mean, what transformational policy is there? And I didn't even realize to this day that on his last day in office, rather than giving commendations for our type of people and pardoning our type of people, he awarded presidential commendations to Fauci and Burks and also to General Milley, who is the embodiment of the transgenderizing and forthrightizing of our military. What am I supposed to do with this? It's not one or two things, it's everything. And what's also frustrating too is that, see, DeSantis, people are comparing him relative to other Republican governors and that he's much better than other Republican governors. Trump's being compared to Biden's presidency. Oh, I would have rather Trump as president. But but that's a stupid comparison. I mean, the general election is not for another year and a half. We're not there yet. Like, like we don't need to talk about how he is relative to Biden. It's relative to what it should be. But there's a lot of profundity to that. Because our people no longer have values in themselves. So they judge everything by relative to the left. 
They don't have a true north. They don't have a lighthouse that they're rowing towards. They don't have a destination that I want to get to this. I might not be able to get ideal, but I know this is the ideal. And I want to get as close to the truth, what's just, what's right as I can. No, it's but the Democrats. So anything that's one tranche over from better than the Democrats, it's good. Well, the media is attacking Trump. Well, they're doing this. So he must be my hero. Um, no, that, 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 I mean, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Don't judge it by relative to the Democrats. And by the way, there's a lot of evidence now that the media is going to side with him. Vanity Fair had a whole article out on how he has all these relationships with the media, which he does. So they're planting stories about DeSantis, whereas DeSantis actually puts his money where his mouth is and he shut them off. So they're very upset about that and they'll, you know, they'll work with him. This notion that everyone's supporting DeSantis, like, it's total projection. Everything everything he's doing is projecting. In fact, I can't find anyone who is. I know a lot of colleagues who know a lot better. They know better. They're walking on eggshells. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to make him angry. This is a man who's pimping the shots to this day. He's acting disgusting, saying sick things. I don't care. I mean, it doesn't harm me. I mean, he's harming himself with that. Praising Charlie Crist, trashing the Florida experience that everyone agrees is good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even saying people need to endorse DeSantis because, again, I don't think, as we started the show with, when you look at the values and the internal rot among our own people, we're well beyond nominating someone for president, somehow changing things. But it's the distraction that bothers me that we can't try to achieve a true north with a man like this. Whereas with DeSantis, at best case, he gives us tailwinds and helps augment our message. Worst case, he doesn't get in the way. But this man gets in the way. Is it so hard for these guys to call him out and like, wait a minute, Charlie Crist is great. The vaccines are great. Bearing false witness and saying disgusting things like, like, dude, we're okay with this. Call him out. Make him, make him, hold him to higher standard. And also, make him show us. Don't promise. You did that already. Show me. Demonstrate why we are not going to have the same policy and personnel problems. Because the biggest thing people don't realize about Trump is this. Trump actually loves stability, believe it or not. One of the things that we were told in 2016 was that, no, 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 Daniel, now is not that time for conservatism. Now is the time to burn down the system. And I was like, well, I actually agree with you. I've said this before. The the term conservative is dead. It's meaningless. We're fighting for survival. I want to burn down the system. I just said, like, God bless you guys. From what I see from the guy, I just don't see him burning down the system. He's the classic New York kind of, you know, wealthy guy that does real estate deals. He respects the financial markets. He respects this. He's very into the stock market like we talked about last week. 
he's very into stability. And at the time, you would say, we, we don't want a government shutdown. He said this even when he was running for president, and that really scared me. Oh, we can't default on our debt. That's a debt ceiling. Oh, we can't allow the stock market to crash. He actually is for stability. See, again, people conflate Trump the campaigner to Trump the governing, governing, right? So as a campaigner, people saw a guy that, for example, when he said John McCain's not a hero. So people thought, oh my gosh, he'd have to apologize. But he didn't. He didn't back down. He didn't get scared when you had the lynch mob come for him. So, you know, I understand rightfully people thought, wow, you know, this guy really, he's going to stand in that breach. But that's when it comes to the personal tit for tat on a campaign trail. But when it comes to governance and all the experts come, if you don't do this, the stock market will crash. If you don't do this, we'll have a, you know, a default on the debt. If you don't do this, 100 million people will die. He takes that to heart because, again, he's not smart on policy and he doesn't have courage and values to fight for something bigger than himself. His vices are literally the strength of his opponent, or likely opponent, in the Florida governor. Florida, you're right. If you remember, DeSantis had sky high, um, sky high approval ratings, and he was willing to just trash it. And let me tell you, DeSantis absolutely went down. He went down to like below fifty during those months of the DeSantis. It's funny because now Trump wants to say, oh, no, he did lockdown. He was crushed for, for, for not doing it nearly as strongly as they wanted. And do you know who crushed him the most? Trump. The Trump administration. One day I'm going to put together a, a piece on this. They relentlessly bombarded them. He joined with Fauci and Burks to blast him on that. And then later on, he praised him, like later in the year. He went back and forth, and but then later on said again his lockdown saved 100 million people. And this is what's so hard. It's very hard to campaign against Trump because he takes every side of every issue, sometimes within the same statement even. So it's like everyone's like, yeah, that, that's how Trump rolls. But is that something we should continue to tolerate eight years into this? I mean, is this what we need? Tell me if I'm off base. Email me, Daniel Horowitz at uh, startmail.com. But this is the thing. Trump actually panics, so he sounds like, I understand if you listen to him now, you'd be like, man, I mean, after everything he's been through, the guy went after him, come on, if he gets in there, he's going to be a sledgehammer, sledgehammer. Now, let's just put aside the fact that, you know, it's a little bit tough for someone like him to win a general election. I know people don't want to hear that, but, you know, after eight years of his antics, there are a lot of people that, whether you agree with them or not, and I don't agree with them, I think it's stupid, but we could have 50% inflation, and they don't care. They will never touch him because of his personality and everything they hate about him. So that is something to keep in mind. But okay, he gets there in a general election. So what is he going to do? We're not governed by, oh, one day a couple of congressmen decide it's a good idea to pass a progressive piece of legislation, and the Republican president signs it. No, we're like, well, why would I sign that? I'm not, I'm not doing any of this. I'm not doing any of this. And I don't think he would. We're governed by arson, 
geopolitical arson. The new next current thing. That's what we're governed by. And that's what scares me because this man, this man believes it. He will believe that clamor. They know they could roll him and they did roll him. Folks, this was April 5th. So this is several weeks when we were like, our hair was on fire well before that point. Like, what are you doing? This is insane. Here's the data. Here's the facts. I had already written over a dozen articles on COVID by then. But on April 5th, Donald Trump retweeted a tweet from Scott Gottlieb, the Pfizer Fourth Reich genocidal animal who was his pick for FDA um, administrator. And what was the tweet? Parts of Florida, including Miami, are becoming a major epicenter for COVID-19, with cases doubling every 3.5 to 4 days. So he was trashing DeSantis. Trump retweeted that. Now, that was April 5th is pretty early. Okay? So he's saying that DeSantis really did do a big lockdown. But now he's saying, but, but, but if you go back to the time, he was blasting him for not. And, and the reality is that, you know, most of what was going on were from the localities. Now, he didn't go to war with them yet, but you could, he, he was reluctant to go along with the whole thing. And then obviously, once he got his footing, he was pedaled to the metal. You also do have to understand, there was no, there was no politically viable leg to stand on for a governor at that, on March... 16th to 25th or whatever to say COVID's not a big deal. I'm not doing, you have to show like you're doing something. And there was no concept except in really, really small circles of very few doctors of early treatment and understanding of that. I mean, even I, at that point did not broach that issue yet. So there was no template of a governor. Cause again, remember in these other States too, where they didn't officially do a stay at home order. It, it de facto was every locality, every business, their Department of Health was putting out all the same stuff. Just like you can't say, oh, DeSantis is no better than Trump because, you know, in the first few months of 2021, he helped distribute the vaccines. <laughs> there was not a single person, especially when that was viewed as a way to get out of lockdown, you know, except for the doctors on our side that were really watching the clinical trials you know, no one knew that. There was no tenable position for a governor to do that. As soon as it became tenable, he started speaking out against it. So, um, you know, this is the difference in style. One is actually always about outcomes. One is about himself. And I listen. You know, Trump's message in 2016 was this is about America. His message now is this about Donald Trump. And I just don't understand it. This is from the Tampa Bay Times. Tampa Bay Times. Do you know what the date is? The date is January 15th, 2021. Now, this is an interesting time. Trump was almost literally overthrown 
All of his cabinet resigned. They treated him like a Nazi. January 6th just took over the last two weeks of his admin. And still, White House report warns Florida faces significant fatalities. They kept gunning for Florida. This is 10 months later. 10 months of knowing this. No, Daniel, that was Mike Pence. That was Pence's test. You can't have it both ways. Either you're the alpha and you're the guy that's going to change everything, or you just have no control over your own admin. You, you, you can't have both ways. And then it's funny. He now says, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have anyone who worked for DeSantis. Notice he doesn't say for Pence or for or Nikki Haley or anyone else running. Very interesting. <laughs> you know what that would mean? That would basically rule out the best human beings alive from serving in his admin. The most base people are going to be working for DeSantis. So, you know, I guess he's basically informing us that this is going to be a 2.0 of his other administration. I mean, Christopher Ray, the FBI director, it's his dude. And I'm not talking about a holdover from a previous, you know, from Obama. That was his pick. And this wasn't like, oh, you know, um, the first few weeks. This was August. This was this was a good amount of time that you had time to get a, get a handle of your administration. Okay, this was a yeah seven eight months into his administration. I'll have to dig up. I wrote a column at the time making other suggestions. It was like, what are you doing? I literally don't understand the case for this man. I can't relate to it. It's as if the last four years never happened. And, and the reason is because we have enough people, and certainly at a leadership level, they don't care. They don't care about important things. I'm telling you, the most conservative, except for like Massey and a few people, and, and these are good people, they, they mean well. The best Senate staffers, they don't know what V-safe and VAERS are. They, they don't know. The, I was like, did you see the Pfizer document, you know, where they admitted to over 1,200 deaths just at the beginning? Nine pages worth of 1,400 maladies. No, I don't know what you're talking about. And look, I'm, I'm working on it and trying to educate people, and people are willing to listen, and I'm not going to berate them. I'm all about progress, but it's just that's how bad it is. You can go two years into the vaccine genocide, and they don't even know the basics. Like, how do I give over two years worth in one shot? It's crazy. We have no leadership whatsoever. I just wanted to get to a couple other things on COVID while we have time here. So one thing is, tomorrow, the Select Subcommittee on Coronavirus under House Oversight, they're going to hold a hearing on the consequences of school closures. Like, Again, why don't start from the beginning. I mean, that's been repudiated. Heck, even Trump, who, who's horrible on the issue, is saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to defund anyone who had school closures. But what in the world? It, it, it's the vaccines. 
It's the biomedical security state. It's, it's the other viruses they're working on, the other vaccines they're working on. The mandates, they don't even have a bill to get rid of the president's indefinite public health powers. The school closure thing? It's always, always the issue that doesn't matter at the time it doesn't matter. Meanwhile, a couple of new very important things. Norwegian academics, they have a pre-printed, I can't pronounce their names, from some of the universities in Western Norway. They looked at 31 European countries and they ran correlation on vaccine uptake and rates versus um, the timing and number of deaths. And they found out of these 31 European countries that for every 1% increase in a country's vax rate, there was a corresponding 0.1% increase in the excess death rate starting 12 months later, like clockwork, like total clockwork. Retzef Levy, the MIT professor, he found in 20, from 21 to 22 to 2022, there was a 15% of increases in, in um, EMT revivals that they had to revive dead people. And yet, the conservatives don't know about it, don't know anything, and then the rest of the GOP, they're downright supportive of this. So you might have seen last week the Senate Help Committee, that's Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, they held a hearing and they had Bansel, the Moderna CEO there, and the hearing was about Moderna increasing the price of the shots. They weren't concerned that they, they're they're infusing poison in our bodies. It was that they're charging too much for the poison. And you look at the Republicans, Bill Cassidy from Louisiana. I do see a link between millions of lives saved because of the quick development of the vaccine made here in the U.S. Three quarters of the death, I mean, literally three quarters of the deaths were after the shots came out. Mitt Romney, free enterprise created vaccines that saved millions of lives. Millions of lives. Free enterprise created vaccines that saved millions of lives. Free enterprise. By the way, that's a very profound statement from Romney. Because um, that's, that's what they view as free enterprise. Subsidizing, marketing, mandating, and absolving of liability. <laughs> <laughs> Free enterprise created vaccines. Yeah. Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, a number, a, another Trump endorsee. Mr. Bansell, thank you for being here today. Thank you for what you did for my state of Alabama, our country, and the world, and to your employees. What a freaking disgrace. Alabama Republican Senator. And again, this is not okay the first few months when we're just thankful for the vaccines. This is two years after we should have all known. We are nowhere closer to having a party and a movement that represents our views and has a vision. And I'm sad to say that, you know, you look at this polling and I really think it's a reflection of our own base. I mean, how do you have two pretty well-funded and known challengers to Greg Abbott in Texas? 
Um, you had Don Huffines. I supported Don, but you also had Alan West. And we thought we'd have a chance of drawing him into a runoff. You get him below 50%. He got almost 70% against them. We lose one primary after another. Perhaps we are the rhinos. Perhaps we are the rhinos. And again, meanwhile, you see, life expectancy is plummeting. There, you see, um, the CDC has a new report out on autism. One in 36 eight-year-old children have autism. That's 2.8%. That's up from one in 44 just five years ago. And one in 150 in 2002. And then you go back to 1980. It's, it's whatever, you know, well beyond that. There has to be something systematic being done to our children that didn't really exist in mass in 1980. But gradually accelerated since then and really accelerated this past kind of decade or so. What was that? Now, there might be a few factors. I mean, this is the biggest life-liberty issue of our time, yet there's no true north. I'm literally having to start from the beginning with Senate staffers with theirs. Like, you know there's something called theirs. Here's the FOIA documents on it. Here's the data. Well, no, no, I started with the FOIA, and then I was like, wait a minute. They probably don't even have the top-line number, so let me give that to them. It's unreal. And I think ultimately, it's because things haven't gotten bad enough. Things haven't gotten bad enough. They're going to have to get worse. Because when it's not bad enough, you have time to play politics. Enjoy the stand-up comedy routine. Fill up a stadium. Say, you know, chant. Have Trump do his stand-up routine. And it's all good. See, we're, we're sitting there doing a stand-up routine. We're sitting there having an industry of talkers that have no vision, no guidance, no policy, no views. Just politicking as an end to itself while the left marches on inexorably. Crime, immigration, social values, family values, it's all destroyed. Healthcare, and not just, on, not just the vaccines, but I'm just saying our healthcare system in general is horrendous. Our life expectancy is worse than Cuba and Chechnya. Now, some of that, you've got to be careful. It's, it's demographic. You have to look at the white pop, because some of these are white countries, and blacks, for a variety of reasons, have a much, much lower life expectancy. But even if you take that out, it's appalling. And that's because we have a venture socialist healthcare system. It's not free market, but it's not fully socialist. It's the worst of all. You have the greed of the private sector, but you unshackle it from the inherent checks and balances of a free market system. That's what venture socialism does. You funnel it through a fake, greedy private sector with government incentives and regulatory capture to make it that the more greed they have, the more they get to kill us. With And, and so there's no incentive. This is what they're telling them. We want more of your vaccines. That could have never, ever succeeded without government funding and indemnification. But that's true, really, to a certain degree, 
of all of our healthcare with Medicare, Medicaid, the employee tax exclusion, you know, tethering healthcare to health insurance and tethering health insurance to employment. There's no serious vision. So here's the deal. We're going to find out in the, in the next few months. Are we a minority within the Republican Party? I don't know the answer to that. But we're going to find out. And, you know, again, this doesn't mean that, you know, I'm the last person to say, oh, Trump gets the nomination, we're destroyed. The Sanders gets it, we're to the road, of, uh, you know, on, onto the road to the promised land. But it will demonstrate, do we actually want the outcomes of the grievances we're complaining about? Or do we want the show? Which one is it? Stay tuned, folks. Let me know your comments, questions, concerns at rmconservative on Twitter, Daniel Hurwitz at starmail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.